2: We also discussed doom.
3: Yeah, I'm not even going to say you're listening to episode 189 because you know it's not like I had a whole intro to go through or anything like that. You know, we'll just start talking. Sure. So, so, so
1: do you? you so, do you want the good news or the bad news? <sighs> there's there's that no news good news. Good. There's no there's good. there's no good news. There's no good news. You you That's said are you ready. To, you said, <laughs> are you ready to start local? I said yes, and I turned on the recorder block but I didn't hit the button in the bottom left of audio hijack. <laughs> so you I don't have my clock check in there.
3: We're fine. We'll, we'll do with that. See <laughs> oh what happens guess. when you're not here for two weeks. Things just fall apart. That's it, man. Episode one ninety nine. 199 problems. And well, you know, we, there's the pandemic. That's a problem. There's, there's a show. Reasons. That's a problem. That, that's yeah. an issue. Yeah. You still have WordPress as part of the PHP. I guess that could be considered a problem. But yeah. No, the show's not a problem. The show's good to go. We're here. So
1: so this is our last episode ever, huh? Uh,
3: no. I was thinking next week would be, but sure, this could be it. Uh,
2: you guys are mean.
3: How has everybody been doing? Everybody good? Everybody Everybody, rounded. What's up, man? What's what's been going on? We had a we had a week off, and dude, I can't tell you the last time I've had a week off where I've done no recording of any podcast. Now I'm paying for it this week. I'm having to record three
2: podcasts
3: in the week, but last week I had no podcast, no nothing, and it was hard to complain about it. It was nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, last week was it was good. I I took a couple days to do a, a nice long weekend with the family and really enjoyed that. So I like like taking the time off. I was expecting you two to record without me, but you didn't, so whatever. Did you guys go somewhere? I mean, is this like a we, big
3: pandemic stay at home thing or
1: it was a pandemic rent a house in Palm Springs thing? So, oh, nice. We, there's there's a resort that we usually really like going to in Palm Springs that, you know, has a lazy river, a really big pool, it, and it's just a nice, nice place to go. But, you know, with everything going on, you don't want to stay in a hotel or anything. So we, we just rented a house, had a pool. We were in the pool from like 7am to eight or 9pm every night. And it was fantastic.
3: I I tell you what, it's been so hot here in Southern California. I, I don't boast about it a lot because I, I do have some internal guilt, but I have been loving my pool here at the house. I, I've been spending so much time in my in my pool here. It's ridiculous and I am so grateful I have it. Yeah, you say it's been hot here in the 80s, right? Where 90s? I, it was 90s last week. Oh, it was 90s in Hawaii?
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I was in the desert, so it was like 110, but yeah. I used to I used to where I'm at it like today it was mid 70s. I think last week it was upper 80s.
3: And forget about that whole dry heat thing. Heat is heat, man. I tell you what. I you know I go out to Arizona enough. I I can't stand it during the summertime. I don't know how people live out there.
1: Oh man, my sound is not in sync with the video. I don't know what to do about According that. To yeah, there's chat.
2: Literally yeah. nothing you can do
3: about that. Yeah, chat. Just just it's it's typically better to just close your eyes when you watch us. It's <laughs> just it, it helps with the experience, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll I've had it. a fun week. Um, oh, wait, we lost Sean. No, I, I, I was trying He's something
1: right. to see if it would resync.
3: Oh, I've had a fun week. I, I've been doing completely inappropriate things with Laravel Nova and and enjoying every moment of it. I mean, I what, do you, what, what do what what do
1: you mean? Uh, so I know Nova as just a kind of like a crud. Builder for you it builds the interface. what have you been doing and, that
3: yeah yeah I, that that's how I've always been using it and then um uh, another developer we I actually stumbled upon it and it's one of those situations where if I read the documentation, I would have probably had known this but <laughs> as a <laughs> we, user. Had, we had a uh we had on another project implementing um uh nova. And then the developers were, were putting um, guards around uh, user models, uh, you know, what they can see, what they can't see, and notice that those guards were being applied to Nova as well, which caused a little confusion for us at first. Again, me using historically using Nova in a very basic CRUD implementation, I was surprised to see that, and it really opened my eyes to some. Things I had historically been saying, nah, I wouldn't use Nova for, for that. Like, I would, I never considered using Nova as an actual interface for users to log into. Like, Nova to me had always been like this secret back-in administration interface for the client to have and for us to have, but never for users to use. And with that, I'm like, oh, you know what? With scopes and things like that being applied, maybe I'll use it. I'm using it on, a, on another project as well, and I'm, I'm limited what I can talk about. But, dude, man, Laravel Nova got off its Greyhound bus here in San Diego, and I swooped in. It's going to need years of therapy and won't be able to look Taylor Otwell in the eyes for for longer than that. I, what <laughs> I've done with Nova has just been shameful, and I've been enjoying it. I, I, I came across I, – I realized – you can you can manipulate you know like how it's outputting things and has you can you can attach actions to stuff. So uh, a good example is I had a situation where the client said, "Okay, when we do this in Nova, I need it to do a bunch of other things. It needs to you uh, needs to attach uh, it needs to attach payment methods to it and all stuff that are that that's on other tables." And again, my my very really recursive knowledge of Nova, I'm like. Okay, I'm not sure how I would do that in Nova. Like you're saying, once you you know approve a person, you want to attach a bunch of stuff to their account, but I I don't know if I can just do that with just one approval button in in Nova. Yeah, no, you absolutely can. I mean, there's this like whole actions feature where you say, okay, when this happens, go and do all this other stuff. And I couldn't. it? it, It it was very much one of those situations where when I did it and it worked the first time and it worked as I expected it to work. I'm like, Whoa, that just saved me like three days of having to code all this up myself. Nah, but when, it, when, it, when didn't you just
1: tie into Laravel's event system at that point? Like what, how is that? What is it? What's different
3: here? It's, it's not, it's not super different. Uh, so, so what I'm using in, uh, Nova is called a, a, an, uh, observer. So when the observer hits, it, does a bunch of stuff, so yeah, I could have probably done the event system. And it's funny you should say that because the client specifically said I would rather not use an event for this if possible. I'm not sure how an observer differentiates from an event, but it
2: doesn't, yeah, yeah oh, good. It, it's,
3: it's, it, it, it's, it doesn't say events. <laughs> <laughs> so I told him, okay, um, like, hey, no, I just, I, I just implemented a observer.
1: <laughs> I wonder why they didn't want to use an event for it because. We, in the project I work on, it's, we are just now getting into events and I'm super excited. It's something I've wanted in this code base for years and just trying to get buy off, you know, on a huge application is hard and I don't have a ton of experience. I just know that I want to use them. And I,
2: it's, it's, it's some, (laughs) it's some, uh, senior level guy who had an event system before that was poorly implemented and caused some slowdown that he didn't like and so now all event systems are that system yeah uh, that's I, it's always how it goes yeah you
1: when it's done properly I, there's so many benefits to using an event system and I can't yeah. wait till we till I have full access to use it to do the things that I want to do because right now within this code base it's very procedural something happens and And you want to tie into it, you go into that method and then you now you do more work, which is not the right Mm. response. You know, it should be hey, something happened, alert the rest of the system and let whatever needs to do something do it. So, I yeah, I'm trying to figure still trying to figure out how that the observer piece differs. And like Thomas said, I don't think it
2: does. Yeah, Yeah. no, observers are just like, uh, Pre-defined set of events. They, they are really just events. Yeah, it, they're, yeah they're,
3: that's absolutely right.
1: Yeah, they're they're events, but you have to you have to wire everything up first versus just firing an event and then letting potent, letting the container potentially auto wire up listeners for it, right? Or storing that event to be acted on in some other system.
3: When that event to be acted, not some other sure. system. I'm not sure I follow that.
1: So, so the way the observer works is within your app setup, your configuration. You have to predefine all of your observers and say this is going to attach to this model or this class. That,
2: the, yeah. 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 So, but the yeah, the, yeah, the events are already up. defined in mm-hmm. the model. Right. Right. So when you when you're creating an observer, you're really just creating listeners for a set of default events. events. Yeah. Yeah. So it's
3: it's your it's your it's your create uh, update delete events. Right. And but during perfectly. But,
1: but during the bootstrap process, you're creating all of these classes that are doing the observing. You know, if this happens, I need to be notified of it. You now have this object already created where with an event system, I think, at least the way we're talking about doing it in this project, an event gets fired, you can have some sort of, your container can listen for that and then figure out what classes do I need to create that will respond to that. I hope I'm saying that correctly.
2: Yeah. And I I believe that in PHP, that's how it works. Even for events, you just don't notice it. Hmm that all potential event listeners get loaded
3: I mean, for Laravel. Cause he's talking PHP, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm talking right. about
1: not in Laravel. Right. It would be more on the container when something happens, then creating the, the, uh, the objects to do the work for that event.
3: Yeah. All right. I'll I tell you the more I get, the more coding I do, the more i I missed coding. And like, I, I'm, I'm going. To, I can already feel myself fighting to pull myself out of coding again. It's been such an enjoyable couple of months. I mean, granted, it's been the pandemic and all that stuff, but professionally, it's been stressful as well <laughs> losing losing <laughs> money and losing clients. But for me personally, professionally, in my little world, I've been enjoying myself because I've been coding again. So So there, and then of course, we don't have a show last week, and I can't keep my big mouth shut. And I tweet about it, no kidding. Our little little project, man, I was so excited! (laughs) I was so excited. We finally released, and it's you know, honestly, I would have talked about it sooner because it's nothing secretive, I mean, it's nothing like earth shattering or anything. We're expecting to to like turn our company around to becoming this, you know, multi-billion dollar company. It, it was, it's
1: just a just monitoring Just single, system. Bi- just single billion, not multi-billion.
3: That's right. It's just one billion <laughs> would be good. It's just a crown monitoring system. It, it's really funny how it got started. You know, typical, we were like, Hey, we really need this sort of thing for our clients. Let's build one. And then that, Conversation turned into well, let's build it into mission control, and then we decided to shelf, kind of shelf mission control for now, not put it in the deep freeze, but like put it to the side and made the decision to okay, well, let's build this off to the side as its own service for just our clients, and then it's like, well, if you are building it for our clients, let's just build it for anybody who wants to use it, and then so we've been we've been tinkering away at this idea for a long time. We've really Gave it a lot of focus over the last six to eight months, maybe the last year, where where we we had people dedicated to to coding on it. But within that time frame of not really finding any good solution out there that does this, to now, I've heard like three or four people doing the exact same thing, (laughs) the exact same product. It's like, well, damn it! But you know, we're so far along, we're basically. At this point, we're, do- we're done. We're just dog fooding it. We brought a client on to it, and, you know, we're using it for some critical jobs for them. So, you know, we'll, we'll start implementing it for our internal clients and then decide. I, I think what we'll probably do, and I haven't really talked this with John, talked this over with John at all, but we'll, we'll probably just use it internally for internal clients and then wait for everybody else to release and try to get an idea of, Like pricing structures, and they just undercut everybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's our game plan right now. We're just going to undercut everybody.
2: So you come here for the programming, you stay for the business acumen.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And and that's another project, so that's, that's one I can talk more freely about, but that's another project I've been getting in there and, you know, kind of rethinking and uh, my coding and, and how we're doing things, and God, man, I'm just enjoying it. Like you know, John and I had a chase down an issue just this week where we figured out, you know, we we're trying to figure out where the where this problem where we kept getting these false alerts, these false positive alerts or false negative, I guess that there was an issue when there wasn't an issue, and we figured, hey, you know what? I think we have a race condition here, and so we were trying to, you know, we tracking it down, and it looks like we fixed it because. We didn't we haven't had a false positive alert in a while. But, but you yeah, had the so
1: you had guy. the one right away. Did you change the logic there?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I'll explain right. to you later what I okay. did, but yeah. yeah. Did you change
1: I, I, did you change the plus to a negative? A plus to a minus? No. Uh, okay. We'll talk about it later. I'm I was just <laughs>
2: curious.
3: That might actually work, though. That might have been the issue. No, we, just, but yeah. we just
2: turned off reporting and everything started working great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, it's we like didn't get alerted. We it. just
3: don't test, so, you know, they never fail. So, <laughs> you know, the product is to make our customers feel feel happy and secure. Not to really tell them when their crime jobs don't run. Just give them the sense that they're always running. <laughs> it's not. It's not. That's not the product, but. So it's out there. If if, if you guys, oh, let me bring it up. I can actually share my screen with you guys. This is awesome. This is awesome. It's out there. Oh, I need to, I need to log out because I don't. I mean, I'll show you guys the back end. I'm gonna. Uh, I can't. I got clients in here. I can't yeah. share this with you guys. Well, I had a rough couple weeks. Yeah, on, I'm not talking looks, about you yet. What?
1: Hmm? Yeah, let's hold off on on sharing it.
3: I'm sharing. I'm sharing the landing page. Argus. Okay. Argus.to. So, yeah, Argus, A-R-G-U-S dot T-L. We've, we've disabled registration and everything right now, so there's nothing there but a landing page. But we need, we, need to,
1: we, we need to set up a, a, an email registration, like, hey, let me know when this is available type of thing. I was just going
3: to say, if, if you're interested, we'll, we'd send you codes, but we have to set that up, too, like some sort of uh, early access code system. I, I do want to get more people in there. Um, or just a, a
1: secret registration page. I mean, some people yeah. are there.
3: Yeah, I'll do that. Okay, Tom, I'm sorry. You, you've you had a rough... Into- I, I've been so happy and, and, and joyful. Baseball has started today. Baseball's going again. You know? So there's that. But, you know, go ahead and bring us down.
2: <laughs> well, I've got a new... Big new project that uh, uses Vue. And turns out... When you're switching over to a completely new system that you haven't implemented anything in before, uh, you come up with unexpected issues. And just not knowing how to program in Vue caught me, I'll say, 50 times this week.
3: But that's how you learn. That's fine. You should be using LiveWire and Alpine anyways. I'm just saying. Vue is overkill. Too much. You need to dial back the JavaScript, buddy. I'm trying to help you here, but go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Well, so that deployed today, like after all the testing for two weeks and everything, got it finally done, deployed it today um, didn't notice that I was on the wrong branch when i when I did a uh, git flow feature finish, and the wrong thing that I was working on got merged into master and spent an hour trying to fix Master and get everything happy again and
3: I don't understand the GitFlow piece I, I really don't What I did a whole presentation on GitFlow he
2: for S T P H P. just being difficult
3: I'm just saying I, again, <laughs> I have a client that insists on using GitFlow they never see the GitFlow like it, it, I, I don't know if when you do feature finish in the background it does some weird rebasing which is another topic we could talk about thank you very much John Congdon I don't know if it's doing some sort of weird rebasing or something and cleaning up the commits so that when I push it up to the repo, it looks clean. But, like, everything I do in GitFlow is on my local machine, and the client never sees that. So I'm not sure why I'm doing it, but I do it because they asked me to do it, but I just don't see... I have not seen the benefit of it.
1: But the GitFlow commands basically... Do the merging that you need done, right. it, yeah, or it branches, like it, it branches, it branches from the proper
2: locations and merges back to the proper locations.
3: I know how to fucking do that. I don't need right. GitFlow
2: to do that. To it's me. not like it for does a ton of stuff for you. It's a small tool. So it's like having a ratcheting it? wrench instead of a hand wrench. I,
3: I I don't I don't understand why I have it then because. Again, it's, it's a, a ratcheting I, I,
2: It's easy. I kept. T- I kept telling.
3: It's not easier. I don't know what you're saying. There's nothing easier about it. If you tell me, "Oh yes, this squashes your commits, it rebases for you, it makes it clean," then I would say, "Yeah, that's easier." But no, I still have to commit. I still have to put my commit message in there. I still have to add everything to my to my commits. All it does it, is uh, name my branches. It names your no. branches
1: and it makes sure that you're it's keeping the branch logic in a, a, a tight uniform uh, manner. Like yeah, it has you don't a specific have to think structure about
2: structure for, for hot fixes yeah. for features for deployments. All just, those
3: features. Are you, are you saying all it's doing is naming the branch? It needs to be it's, doing more than it's that. It's naming, can the br- the it's, branch.
2: it's naming the branch and it's tracking the source of the branch. If it's a hot fix, it comes from master instead of develop if it's a feature it comes from develop
3: see this is this is this was another misconception i had because i thought when i started using gitflow i wouldn't have to manually do a pull from upstream or not upstream i'm sorry we don't use upstream uh, i didn't i wouldn't have to do a pull from the repo i thought gitflow was handling that for me but it doesn't i still have to manually pull down from the repo into my, into my primary branch and then start my Git flow from there.
2: Well, I, mm-hmm. I apologize for you not understanding Git flow.
3: <laughs> it,
2: it, when you start using it
1: for some of the other features like the hotfixes, it makes sure that your production or master branch and your develop branch are in sync properly. So when you open a, a hotfix to the master branch, it will also merge back into the develop branch, which you don't have to think about afterwards. Are you Where sure norm- about
3: that? It should. That's the whole point with GitFlow. Okay, so maybe I do have a misunderstanding because I thought when I did a feature finish, so in my head, I said, okay, this must be doing some sort of squashing or rebasing and cleaning up my commits and then pushing up to the repo. And I mm-hmm. found out two or three tickets later <laughs> when the client said, "Hey, when are you going to get this other ticket done?" I'm like, "I did that last week." I realized, oh no, I still have to push to the repo. It doesn't automatically push the repo. I still have to push the repo, and oh, by the way, I have to pull from the repo to make sure my branches are, are current. I'm like, "Come on, man!" Correct. I, I, then I don't know what I'm not understanding so about Git Flow.
2: When you do, when you do a Git Flow feature finish. It takes your current branch, it merges it into develop. If the merge has conflicts, then it spins you off into a conflict resolution branch. You resolve your conflicts, and then commit it and finish it. That pushes it out to develop, and closes and deletes the feature branch. Doesn't push. I'm sorry. Doesn't push. Doesn't push. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So
3: everything
2: it does, it does locally, right? Yes. Yeah. Closes the feature to... closes the feature branch and switches you over to develop branch with the updated code base already committed and ready to push
1: so are you again are you not opening no. pull requests for features no oh, yeah that makes it tricky
3: yes you don't, you don't you don't open up pull requests either Thomas no we should it must be no. a whole gif give, give flow mentality thing going on because again I I, I continue to do it because the client Asked me to do it and occasionally i will do a git flow publish which again just publishes your branch up to the repo yes. which again i can just do a git push and it would have the exact same
2: behavior but well git flow also has it forces some uh requirements like tagging releases and things like that mm. i mean it, yeah it's just cool. thing is super helpful so when I, I when know, I first when I first
1: did it when I gave the presentation, to me it was Git with training wheels.
2: Yeah. I mean you have it, small that, scripts. That's how I feel do. about it. You have small scripts to do small things on your computer. It's just a set of small scripts to do small things in Git.
0: It
3: mm-hmm. doesn't do anything except the stuff you're already doing in Git. It it's no different. That's, that's what programming me saying get, is. Me saying Git flow start and giving a branch name is no different than me saying git checkout dash -b and giving a branch name That's yes, it, the exact yes, it is. same thing yes, it is
2: because git flow checks that the the develop branch is up to date and if it's not it, tells it you doesn't that you need to that's yes, my it does. point it
3: doesn't do it no, it has
2: it didn't for me <clears throat> it checks if it's up to date if it's not up to date it tells you you need to update develop
3: i don't believe you i'm sorry <laughs> that's, that's when you
2: finish when you finish it it checks for up to dateness <laughs> Either way, it's, it's been a long week. It's not getting better.
3: <laughs>
2: and, your, and your view, your, your view skills aren't up to snuff as you thought they were? They are. It's just that, that I ended up having to implement view routing, and the way I implemented it didn't use the router to links. It just did some programmatic stuff, mm. and um, I was double-pushing routes. So can I ask you a question? Pushed routes. It was bad.
3: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. If you're using view routing, that, that, that kind of becomes the line in the sand for me. If you're using view routing, why why are actually, I'm making an assumption here because I haven't even asked yet, but if you're using view routing, why wouldn't you have the view piece be its own repo and not mix it with the back in logic
2: because I assume you you did no because the view routing is just for this one page (laughs) that was originally just one page (laughs) yeah sorry Sean
3: my buddy (laughs) my buddy who I thought was my friend is trying to distract me in chat
2: but I I wasn't I wasn't originally using view routing because this was just going to be one page, but they wanted mm. to be able to do things on the page and refresh it and reflect what you had done. Lightwire meant... does that. Just, yes. just putting that out there, yeah. just so you know, there are other options. But go ahead. So the whole system is eventually going to move to this direction, although I think we're going to use React instead of Vue. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's you're like, you hey,
3: React hey, sh- hey, you're a React shop right.
2: No, we're we're not officially any kind of JavaScript specific shop. Okay,
3: I, I thought I remember you saying you were a React shop
1: in think, the past. I
2: think we're going to be soon. If it Sorry. if it makes
1: you, if it makes you feeling better, Thomas Fomberer does the same thing. There's like, it's not a single page application, but there are pages within their system that they're treating like a single page application. So they'll use the view router for that one component. And then, and then move off if, if you switch pages from there.
2: Yeah, are you guys using view, John? Yep,
1: more mm-hmm. and more. Every every sprint is now adding more view components. Things, have things guys, are
3: getting. Have, have you guys heard about the good word of Livewire? Just, <laughs> just almost
2: nonstop lately. <laughs> not n-
3: not not a Laravel shop. Yeah, that's right. You guys aren't. You guys still aren't Laravel, or are yeah.
2: So, are yeah, you doing uh, view stuff, John?
1: Yeah, a yeah, little so John, bit. John,
2: tell us about the last two weeks for you.
1: Well, the last two weeks for me, uh, I can tell you, phone burner is hiring. Like so, if, uh, am I'm I'm I supposed a to dev before he quits phone burner? i um, I'm, no, not quitting, but I'm. They might be hiring somebody to replace me. I don't know. That that's possible. They're looking for a recommendation, so I, I could give a recommendation and then not have a job tomorrow. Why? What, what did you break? <laughs> Nothing. What are you
3: talking about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, the last two weeks have been good. Busy, busy as ever. We've got new clients uh, at Diego Dev. Things are going well there, keeping everyone busy. Uh, really super annoyed with Dusk. In, in a sense, I, I <laughs> wish Dusk is great, but it's so heavily test focused and they which stay right in there. That's the Web Scraper to make sure your application is working the way it should.
3: It, it was but designed it, to, to take JavaScript in, in mind so you can test mainly the front end stuff.
2: Oh, right. Yeah. That uses the Chrome driver. Right. Which is great.
1: It's just so they specifically say, do not use this in production. Like it's, it is a test tool only, but I wanted it as a web scraping tool. And I had one of our developers go down that road of using Dusk. And for some reason he wrote the entire proof of concept that we were trying to write as a test instead of a feature because because it is a testing framework and once i saw that i was like no that's not what i wanted i wanted you to use dusk if we could i hadn't done enough research to find out if it was available outside of testing or not so he he did all this work spent so many hours again tried going down another road first when i originally said dusk couldn't get it working that way so he came back to dusk but then did it in in the test suite instead of as a actual feature so then I took it over ripped out the pieces I could got it somewhat working and then gave it back to him saying here's a big plate of spaghetti sorted out
2: (laughs) so you you would fire Frank but he's our longest running patreon
3: Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) patreon thank you patreons I don't even know if we have and, and, and it wasn't
1: you and it wasn't Frank, so I'll I give know. him a break.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, it has been a good two weeks. I, I took a couple of days off last week for vacation, took today off celebrating my my kid's fourth birthday, went kayaking oh, yeah, and...
3: let's let's talk about your couple of days off vacation, John. So we, we've had several clients, years of clients now, including some very big projects, very long-running projects. I have worked with developers and seem to have set up a pretty stable release cycle for them. John swoops in on one of the new projects and says, hey, we're doing this all wrong. Do it this way. And, and all the wheels fall off. and Oh, yeah, John's on vacation. I mean, it, it, was, like, it was like a series of... It, it, it was like a com- comedy on television. John John changes this workflow, which, to his defense, the developers' understanding of his changes and what he actually told him were, were completely out of sync, which frustrated me. But he comes in, asks the developers to change his workflow, goes on vacation. The very next, so this was like, uh, so he he's he's out of office Thursday, Friday. So the very next day is like Thursday. Actually, I think it was Friday. Friday, the client says, hey, I have a big meeting on Monday. This has to be in production. I have to show it to the client. And and none of the developers can get anything into production because they've screwed up the branches and they can't get anything to merge. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This can't be (laughs) happening right now. Fortunately... Actually, we got through it. The developers figured it out. They got the, the they got a production branch done. This new client is really happy with the progress we're making on this app. I'm happy with the progress we're making on this app. I'm I'm actually really pleased. Have they got we, their we first ha- bill
2: yet?
1: Yes, but they're still happy. They have their first client that could start paying them within two months of coding. I mean, mm-hmm. we have turned around a very usable application for them very quickly.
3: And again, not to toot our own horn, but he totally let us do our our workflow, which screwed up from a Git perspective. But we we scoped an MVP. We said this is all we're going to do for MVP. He's like, perfect. Give me that. Let me try to sell it. We did that. He went out and sold it. He says, okay, I sold it. Now I need this, this, and this. Scoped it. Did it. I mean, the 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 communication back and forth in workflow is working so well with this client and it probably helps that a little bit that he's a developer a little bit that he trusts us that there's no you know concerns there but it's like such a good success story of hey i have this idea can you build it yeah we'll build this much of it this is the cheapest we can build it for you. Okay, just build this little piece and let me see if somebody wants to pay for it. Okay, build it. Yeah. Okay, I got people who want to pay for this, but they've asked for a couple more things. We can do that for you. Boom. boom, boom, boom. And it's just slowly, you know, growing and growing. And it's like I'm really hoping this turns into a long-term contract with this with this client nice. because I like him and just the 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 success that he's had with it's has been very, very satisfying.
2: Well thank, thank you, you for saying uh, you that, John. Thank you, Yeah, thank you for telling me about your week, John.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's been good. The, the, whole, the whole workflow thing, it's because I, I've learned a ton about Git in the past year. And I was like, I don't like with what I've learned, I don't like some of the things that were being done. And I was just trying to, you know, educate, share kind of what I've learned and change things a little bit, but not on our biggest project that that I've left alone. I don't interfere there outside of really requesting really good code review because I feel that's super important as well. And I need to do a better job of following up on that. But with this newer project, it's like, hey, I don't want to do a pull from upstream. I don't want to merge that way. Your feature branches should be your commits only, not including merge commits. So if you need something from upstream, it should be a rebase, not a, not a merge. So getting people to understand that was, was my goal. And that's where things are falling off the rails. Yeah. And there's also the fact that we were using a dev staging production branch scheme and there was confusion around, well, where am I merging to? What's what environment is what? And I think we finally got that. Uh, dialed into, you know, the workflow is similar to what we've done in the past using just staging and production. The develop environment is really just a, a place for you to push code that is always in flux. You can change it. You can put whatever you want out there so that you can test it. You can have the the client go to our dev environment to test something as long as you let them know, there's nothing guaranteed about this working like this, this environment could break at any moment.
3: We could refresh uh, it. All sorts of things could happen.
1: But staging is just the place boring. where it could be staging is where you go to when your feature is, you feel is production ready and you're ready for the client to test it in a production ready environment. Like there shouldn't be. And
3: you're ready for a code review as well. That's where the code yeah. reviews happen,
1: Right. So it is it's just a change in terminology and a little bit of workflow.
3: So here here's my thing with kind of bringing in this all together here with git flow with rebasing with squashing with all that stuff. For me on paper, yeah, I like I like what you're selling. It sounds good. For me in practice, I don't have a use for it. I in, in our big project where we follow the workflow that I implemented and everybody pulls and pushes and yes, there's a shitload of commits in there. I, I will I'm willing to concede that, but it's never been a problem. We've never said, well shoot, if we just didn't have so many commits, maybe we could revert this and fix it. We've never had that problem. So where because I can appreciate
2: never been able to do
3: it. No, we've never had a need to do it we just we just don't have that problem where I, I appreciate how nice and tidy having a clean commit log is, but it's like having a nice and tidy you know toy box in the basement closet. It's like, okay, it's great. It's nice and tidy down there, but it's not really useful ever except for like these very weird edge cases. Everything else we've ever had to do, we've been able to do perfectly fine with just doing pulls and pushes and, and merging. It's just, I just haven't seen enough of the benefit. And maybe I'm sure now that I've said this, the PHP gods will say, Oh yeah, I'll show you where it's beneficial. <laughs> and you know, something will go totally squirrely tomorrow, but I just haven't seen enough benefit and I've seen a lot of frustration from developers who try to follow these processes and, I don't know. It's it's it's
1: frustration. It's frustration until you understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, the hard part is in any sort of reverts. There's got to be issues when you try to revert a PR or you do revert a PR that's already been pulled into somebody else's repo.
3: So let's talk about that. How does that change if? If you've if you've rebased or anything like that, you're, you're still having to revert a PR, which which we've done many times in the past. You
1: just
2: have it's, it's a, a more
3: linear of
2: things. Yeah,
3: you have a
1: more linear history of, of a specific feature.
3: Okay, I, I, again, now, I, I'm sure it,
2: fair, it, it makes sense on paper. Go ahead, Eric's Eric's system for things is trying out everything that's new and then going back to Vim. So I never actually leave Vim, That's the whole
3: thing. Yeah. It's like the Hulk, you know. I'm never not mad. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm never not using Vim. I just, you know, I'm always using Vim. Yeah, Thomas, I wish, I wish, I don't want to be on a soapbox talking about how great Vim is. I really, honestly, to God, don't understand how you as a developer or how any developer doesn't use Vim. I I wish you would let me sit there and watch me code for an hour and just see what I do with Vim. Not that I wanted to change your mind or anything, just so that you have an appreciation of of why I do. I don't understand how you don't use Vim. It's like, how do you code Where you have to type everything and move a mouse? It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's (laughs) It's my gamer
2: lifestyle growing up that taught me how to use both hands well. It's that it's that uh, that hand dexterousness that I always told my mom was important.
3: Okay. Uh, again, my 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 goal in life is not to co- convert people over to Ven using. I just don't understand why developers, especially, don't use Vim because it just seems so beneficial. But
2: well, you know who else had a bad week? Twitter. That was <laughs> last week,
3: huh? That was last week. Yes, Twitter. Yeah. Do you you understand what happened? Because I don't.
2: Yeah.
1: Has it ever been, has it come out what actually happened? Because I've heard the rumors of what might have been the case.
2: Yeah. So there are details that haven't come out, um, but it's generally accepted now that the, the great Twitter hack of 2020 was somebody getting access to internal tools that allowed you to post to anybody's account.
1: So th- That's a thing, what, well, the one what I heard was it was either that or somebody internally going rogue,
2: yes, so it doesn't really it's not clear who did it um the the person the the theory that someone internally went rogue is based on some kind of blackmail based scheme where an internal person was forced by a third party to do this um, either way, it was the dumbest. Scam anyone could fall for, and uh, apparently they made one hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars from it. So I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised that's it. Well, it was a really dumb scam. No,
1: I I get it.
2: I, I
1: was was it where they they tweeted out, "Hey, you send a thousand dollars to this Bitcoin or some cryptocurrency address, and I'll send right. you two thousand dollars." Yes. Yeah.
2: It's like.
3: Come on.
1: You do have to be stupid to fall for that because if, why, not, why wouldn't you just give $1,000 to the charity?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it was real dumb. Um, the interesting thing, though, is all, that uh, that's all they Donald, made. Trump, Donald Trump's Twitter did not get compromised in this attack. Uh, and the statement from Twitter is that there is an extra layer of protection – for very high profile accounts which was something that i had assumed to already be the case for like the blue check mark accounts or all accounts like there should have been some kind of basic end-to-end encryption methodology which is the other thing the dms appear to have been completely open as well so all of people's really? direct, yes, all of people's direct messages who were in the system could have been read by this person. Um, oh, that's and, scary. Well, the the scariest thing that I've heard is that fundamentally the story doesn't make sense. Um, this kind of hack, the sophistication level of this kind of hack, does not lend itself to this kind of cheap Bitcoin scam. It's the two things don't make sense together. And that this looks far more like a government-sponsored attack with some sort of masquerading front end saying like, oh, yeah, it's a Bitcoin scam, sure. But the reality is they were doing something else nefarious in the background.
1: Hmm.
2: Because, I mean, if you were able to get this kind of access to Twitter's internal system, would you go for a shitty Bitcoin scam?
3: If I didn't want to get caught, maybe, but you can't prove anything. Just saying. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so it's... And
3: And, and then you you mentioned state-sponsored hacking. I know that came up in the news with Russia and China trying to take take a shortcut to COVID vaccines. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean,
2: and and people don't understand Russia's role in state-sponsored hacking because what happened after the Cold War was... Russia determined that they need an intellectual elite that is capable of technological warfare. And they established Mm -hmm. secondary schools around the entire country to teach their most capable students how to do hacking and espionage. Mm -hmm. And so they have a whole... Educated force that got free educa- that got the free education specifically focused on hacking and system interference. Like they have a whole class of people who just do this for the government. And America decided to completely drop the ball on technology and not have schools for it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So they're very very sophisticated. Um, You're going to s- ask
3: something, John?
1: No, I was, I was just saying I, I didn't hear about the would you say Russia and China with the COVID Mm. vaccine.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So they, 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 I mean, it's, it's not even like a hoax or anything like that. I don't even hear anybody screaming that the funny thing about it Mm -hmm. is they're, they're they're so uh, they know so much about it. uh, The, the, the the attempts that they know that the Russian hackers who were trying to uh, penetrate and get COVID vaccine information are the same ha- hacker group that compromised the DNC servers. Like to to Thomas's point, that's how organized it is. That's how yeah. that's how s- state sponsored and focused it is. It's the same group. We know it's Russia. We know it's this group of hackers, and no, you know, nobody's doing anything about it.
2: And that's so, the funny thing uh, is that we don't we don't see hacking on this scale as an attack on our country. Like if they shot a gun at right. the border, we would say something. But a, a outright attacks on our system of democracy, for some reason, we don't consider that warfare yet. Right. It's bizarre to me. point. I, so I asked
1: going back to the Twitter thing. I also heard that Twitter shut down anyone that had a blue check mark, they couldn't tweet for some amount of time while they, I guess they were trying to figure this
3: out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw that, that hashtag trending. I'm like, I'm very confused. What's everybody talking about? Because I, I had not, I hadn't been made aware of the, the attack yet. So, uh, so yeah, that was, that was interesting. It was a fun day on Twitter.
1: You actually, what was got, that? What was was the hashtag?
3: Uh, I think it was blue check mark wasn't wasn't I think that 's what it was It was blue check mark or blue mark or something like that hmm. um,
2: yeah i it it's it 's a weird situation. Um, I was amazed that they have an internal tool that let them just tweet for somebody uh,
3: th- i mean that 's the alarming thing, so this is the thing i I always try to tell my kids and and we we had a discussion earlier this week with uh, Edward Bernard. We did an interview with him on p h p architect. That's right, Thomas. I worked in another cross promotion. I do it every week. Thank you. Um, well, you're good at and and actually, in that interview, I cross promoted us in specifically you, Thomas, and talked about how often we we discuss ethics in our field. And the thing I keep telling the kids is, I don't know what privacy you think you have, but as a developer, we are gods in this world. There's nothing you can do. To a system we design, that we can't circumvent,ate or we can't, you know, figure out where you're where you're posting from or get information about you. We have so much That's power in this world. Not true for me. I Disagree with you, but go ahead.
2: For me, it's not true. I can tell you right now, if I wanted to see if somebody on my system has an account, I have very limited ways of doing that.
1: You just talked about how you accidentally pushed code into production. You tell me you can't accidentally push a
3: backdoor that, that into your system. View, that limited view is that thereby designing is your limited view a division of responsibility? Because I find it hard to believe yes. that if you okay, well division of responsibility is a different thing. As a developer though,
2: we have access to everything. I mean but this is the this is the part where end to end somebody has access to it. Yes, you're right. Is, yeah, with with proper encryption protocols, you can make things extremely difficult to circumvent, even by developers who are in the system and have everything else. Um, but and, but, and,
3: but again, we're talking about ethics, and we're talking about division of responsibility, and and making sure this person can't see this database. But ultimately, to John's point, somebody has access to everything. I mean, everything in their world. So you might just have access to code. The, the DBAs might just have access to the database. But my point being, if I, if I develop the next TikTok, and I'm the owner of TikTok, and I'm the developer of TikTok, anything within the TikTok ecosystem, I have access to. And I can code oh, and, things, and, and, and I, can, I can put things in, in my code that gives me more information than you even realize you're giving me. And,
2: and the that's, TikTok stuff. The TikTok stuff this week has been dreadful.
3: Mm-hmm. Stupid.
2: Uh, you may have noticed governments are banning TikTok or uh, requesting people don't use it because it's collecting <laughs> data and sending it to China.
3: Yeah, India, India banned it outright. The U.S. is talking about banning. I, I was just talking to uh, my wife about this, about how everybody in our industry is talking about TikTok and
2: right, and know, not everything. about Facebook, which is doing yeah. the exact same thing. It's just storing it on a server first and then selling it.
3: Exactly. Like, come and on! Did you see? Did you see Mark Zuckerberg? He forgot to put on
2: his human face in Hawaii. <laughs> <it>. His,
3: his <laughs> alien face was exposed.
2: That was so bizarre. Wow. Who, who would have thought that guy'd be weird?
3: <laughs> okay, I have a tight window tonight. Unfortunately, uh, we we have some overlap and workloads here. But uh, I did want to talk about one more story, and I hope I hope some of you, one of you guys, have more background on it. Um, did either one of you follow the conversation about Microsoft's support for PHP eight?
1: A little Mm-mm. bit. I did
3: not. So my very recursive knowledge of, of what's happening is that um, I guess it, it, it was nice of Microsoft to reach out to PHP internals and, and initiate this conversation. But I guess that um, Microsoft is – and I can share the uh, – let me share the, the screen here. So I guess Microsoft just basically said, hey, just so you guys are aware – you know, we're not going to officially support PHP 8 and, and Windows. And at first I thought this was a big deal. But as I read through the thread, my understanding of it is this is not really that big of a deal. What yeah, Microsoft is saying. Okay, can you explain to me why it's not?
2: Basically, there was a Windows team that was compiling and distributing or or releasing for distribution, the Windows executables for PHP. Mm-hmm. And Windows, or the Microsoft team that did that, basically came out and said, hey, with with PHP 8 coming out, we're going to end our work supporting this. Uh, we're not going to do the, the compiling and all that stuff for you. We have a, a tool set which we can give you guys, and someone else can take it over and deal with it, but it's not going to be our thing anymore. Mm. Which I understood so- to mean that Windows is going... Linux. Oh, is that what
3: you read <laughs>
2: I've been saying this. Thomas. I've been saying this for a long time. I've agreed with you.
3: I've and with and you. when
2: when Windows announced the next version of DirectX is not a numerical increase, it's oh. just a plus or super. I knew that the next version of Windows is going to be a Linux based operating system. Azure, Microsoft's distributed cloud system or cloud platform is majority Linux right now. Yes. That was, that was, and that
3: actually, that actually happened before Microsoft started embracing Linux. Like that was probably one of the the things that Microsoft said, okay, we can't fight this anymore. We need to either, you know, get on board with it and start to figure out a business, Mm -hmm. you know, around it or not because, yeah.
2: Um, I I believe two weeks ago, I was discussing Proton, which is uh, Valve's engine for running Windows games in Linux. Mm -hmm. And I had said that everything is great right now and runs really well, but when DirectX 12 becomes mandatory, it's going to be a problem. DirectX 12 is just not going to work that easily. I was totally wrong. A new game came out last week, and... Uh, called Death Stranding. Not sure if you guys have heard of it. Big seller. And the day it came out, Microsoft released an update for Proton that supports DirectX 12. And it works great. So with Valve doing the work on gaming stuff, doing the collaboration that they need to do with ATI and NVIDIA, Microsoft can get out of the kernel game by switching over to Linux. Microsoft can say, you know what? We've got the consoles, which can run Linux. We've got the desktops and laptops, which can run Linux. We've got the servers which are running Linux. It's time yeah, to switch.
3: Their, de- their their desktop is still dependent on their kernel, and, and that's but their big selling
2: point. But they can implement those server side systems in LDAP just as easy as anything else. I'm telling you, uh, Windows. I mean, Windows is going I, I, Linux.
3: I have been on board with that with that concept for a long time. I just I I think I think that final hurdle is is much further out there than than any time soon.
2: I, you would I, think, I, I, but...
3: Microsoft is going to buy Ubuntu before it happens. Like, they're going to buy a distribution D- so that
2: possibly. they can have control over it. Very possibly.
3: When that um, happens, that's when I'll say, okay, the next desktop is going to be Linux.
2: Now, I can tell you that new versions of Docker for Windows and new support at the kernel level for Docker are coming out on a regular basis, too. So, like the The latest push, the latest update from Microsoft, included WSL two, which is designed for running Docker and containerized items. I mean, we're getting there fast. Mm. It's it's very interesting, and I this just, is just I mean, another. I, I keep
3: I keep hearing. So I I misspoke about who uh who had tweeted at me about getting a um system seventy six machine and and how happy they were with Pop OS. And I think I said it was, I thought it might have been Gishu, who it wasn't. And, of course, now I was, got called out on Twitter. It was Eric Mann on our interview, wasn't it? No, no, uh, it, it was after. He, so this this person thanked m- myself and Eric Mann, uh, or, or mentioned myself and Eric Mann. Now I want to go back and look because I don't want to Dimitri, get his name wrong. Again. Dimitri, goes Dimitri, that's it, Dimitri. Uh, so, so he he had tweeted at myself and Eric Mann talking about how happy he is with his System 76 and Pop, and I misspoke and said it, I thought it was Gishu, who it wasn't. But now Gishu's you know going the System 76 route, and he's happy with Pop OS. And I tell you, man, I have no I have no reason or need to get another laptop, but damn it, I want another laptop. I want a, I want a System 76 laptop. So. So the only reason now, I can, I can re- hold back right now is they don't have a USB-C-powered laptop. They have yeah, laptops yeah. with USB-C, but when they get that U- USB-C-powered one, I don't know. I don't know if I can resist it anymore.
2: Now, to be clear here, Dimitri, Dimitri made it very clear that his Patreon money goes directly towards my Batman chair. <laughs> That's a- <laughs> Yes. But it does. Uh, it does not go to thank, Eric. It goes directly you know, to
3: you know, me. I'm such a bad person. I didn't even put him on the on the Patreon list because he, because
1: he said that. Of course.
3: Oh, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. He he said, "Hey, I am going to I am going to become a Patreon because you do make me laugh." And then, jokes on you. I didn't put you on the list. So thank you. <laughs> oh. I got to get out. I've got to get to storage this week, and I've got to get the the Patreon prizes out into the mail to people because I've been a terrible, terrible Patreon person and not doing that. I have, not, to, not I, doing it.
1: I have to say that you've tried, but the storage place is closed because of COVID, and you're off the hook. No, there, there you
3: go. There's the excuse right there.
2: Don't you guys have storage clients? Wouldn't they frown on such? falsehoods no nope we do not
3: we do not have storage clients nope but all right uh okay any any other stories before we ra- wrap this up and, and for my vim friends out there i shared this in chat but i i actually own the domain use and uh it just redirects to uh, vim.org so next time somebody tries to get into an f- argument with you about whether vim is good or not, just send them that link and
2: yes. a word but, that a word that Erics had explicitly decried three weeks ago. That's true. I did say that didn't? I I hate
3: that word. <laughs> I was young when I, I was young when I registered it. <laughs> yeah. did, did you hear what they're what they're going to call? the Washington Redskins football team this season, this upcoming season.
2: The interim Mm. name. Yeah. The Washington football team. The Washington football team.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's not wrong. (laughs) That's the actual name is the Washington football team.
2: Okay. So there's, there's been a chain of events. They, they had announced, they had announced that they were changing their name and that they were currently exploring options. The problem is, is that they had announced this on a letterhead that they had already had, which said in big, bold letters, Redskins, and had the Redskins logo on it.
3: Which they're they're also changing, yeah.
2: Right. So it was a little bit tone deaf that they were, like, apologizing for the use of the term Redskins and saying they were going to change it while having it take up, I don't know, an eighth of the page they were apologizing on. (laughs) So they got in a little bit of trouble for that blindness and decided that they had to have something to make official communications with in the interim while they were changing names. So they just, they're just going with the Washington football team.
3: But I mean, unless something happens fairly quickly, that's what they're going to go into the season with as well. Yeah. And, and they're just not going to have a logo. They're just going to have like, I think uh, Beck said they're gonna just put the players' numbers on the helmet and not any logo or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I think they should have gone by the Washington interim team so they could just be called the Twits.
3: They should just they should just call themselves the the, the Washington dollar sign name here.
2: <laughs> the Washington SQL vulnerabilities. <laughs> you
3: get a sequel injection.
2: There you go. Yes. <laughs> It's good luck out there to the Washington Drop Tables.
3: <laughs> I actually love that the, idea. That would semi, good, don't, you,
1: don't forget the semicolon, though. The this, Washington
3: yeah, the semicolon. semicolon Drop Tables.
2: <laughs> that would be fantastic. I love that. Yes, yeah, so it's right. an excellent catch from number forty-three. Test, 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 test. One, two, three. <laughs> emoji, emoji, emoji. <laughs>
3: Okay, guys, it's getting hot in my office. I need to turn my fan back on, but uh, I'll, I'll give you one more one more story if you guys want to give one more story.
2: Okay, that's it. Good job. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh i thought you i thought you were saying you had one more
1: story
2: I, yeah i was gonna say do you got something for
3: us out of No, no I, mean, I, I i've been i've been carrying the whole show i was gonna give you guys the opportunity what are you, what are you to
1: talking uh, about you carrying story. the whole show um
2: the the php 8 feature freeze is coming up i realized that i think i had reported the the annotation syntax was changing to uh less than oh, less that's... than greater than greater than but it turns out that that is not happening that vote no, failed it. It's so add it, it was amper, amper. It's, it's what it yeah. Was. So it's the atat is still ADAT. The, uh ADAT is still the the current use case for annotations in PHP eight. You and didn't. It looks you like never going to make it all the way to the feature freeze. So, but there's yeah, a
1: no, proposal the, on that. The, the less and less than greater than greater than was the initial uh, implementation. Then they changed it to the AT-AT. Right. It was never. Did they? I I didn't know there yeah. was some. Debate about changing it from at at.
2: Yeah, so there, there's people there's are been a new proposal
3: for, for an, another convention. As a matter of fact, I think it was it was Joe Ferguson that, that proposed it. Uh, let's external.io. I'm sure it's in there. But yes, there's been a, there's been a new RFC open for for another proposed. Syntax. Uh, a
2: couple. There's there's another syntax is, which is open square bracket at, uh, which I uh, guess uh, reflects Java's style.
3: Yeah, that's um, that's the one I am seeing right now. I, I'm, I I know it's somebody I was familiar with who opened the RFC, and they basically said, "Well, I guess we, somebody we should go ahead and have open our RFC to have a discussion or something."
2: There was a Reddit thread called uh, "The ad ad is terrible. Are we sure we're okay with it?" and that was mm-hmm. opened by Derek Rathens.
3: Um, yeah, Joe Ferguson. I would be happy to author an RFC on replacing at at with hash square brackets, but based on Larry Larry's comment, it sounds like the to vote already solved this issue for us. So say so this this I'm I'm reading through externals and that's from a day day ago, but I'm pretty sure our RFC did get open.
2: I believe the I believe the square the square bracket at is the RFC that got opened.
3: Right. Mm. I think I think it was I think it was authored by Joe. Uh, just based on this, this internals conversation that was going back and forth. Not that he's, you know, he's like really championing it or anything, just kind of making the, the conversation and putting it up for a vote more official.
2: Yep. So that's, that's the latest in uh, internals. Everything else is sort of calming down, awaiting the release process. Um. <laughs> So I, I believe most of the articles that say what's new in PHP eight will still be correct when it actually comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's that's that's it. That, you you put me on the spot, so that's what I came up with.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you had stuff in your Trello board.
2: I mean, that's like not even one of the tickets you had. in Well, there, I've got so some Web. I applaud you. I've got some Webpack questions. I uh, you know I'm I'm getting into like third party libraries and stuff with Webpack, and I'm wondering like how do you include the theme for something in your Webpack. You... Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw, I saw
3: that So, so again, not to get on my high horse, but this is where, this is where, um, freaking if you Tailwind say live, has.
2: If you say live wire. I swear to God.
3: <laughs> no Tailwind. Tailwind has really come into play because, again, the way you do themes in Bootstrap, you create custom classes, and and in Tailwind, you don't, you don't. I mean, you can do that, but it's not really how you do it. You just kind of put everything, you know, in the class, and it works so well, and it makes themes portable. So when you when you when you well, that's okay. No, so
2: that's not the issue I'm running into, though. The issue I'm running into is that when I've got a some new thing like data tables, and it wants me to use the data tables CSS, uh, is there some way to get that into a Webpack? File where it goes to the CDN and fetches that and compiles it into my one no, big. I think
3: I think you just have to do the npm. You just include it with your npm. You do an npm install and have it part be part of your package list. It's just like Composer, right?
2: No, because you have to have a file that it outputs to. It. So you no, have to. Well, it, well when it web,
3: compiles, it outputs to a file, but but the stuff it's grabbing from, it's just I, I, again. I, I'm not a Webpack expert. I. I touch it as little as possible, but every, you know, all the processing it does, it does from its internal, internal yeah. system.
2: And that's, that's my thing is that this is a SAS issue, not necessarily a Webpack issue. And so that's mm-hmm. why I didn't bring it up because I think, I think it's pretty clear to me since I wrote that, that I just don't know SAS well enough, but I am, I am trying to Webpack all the things and bring my website down to one or two style sheets Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a daunting task going from 200 style sheets to, to one.
3: Yeah. And it's weird. It's weird going in the other direction too, because yeah, it's, it's, I, now that I, I use in again, I, I copy and paste my Webpack code. I go out and say, okay, how do I do this in Webpack And <laughs> yeah. I paste it in there. I don't understand what's happening, but it spits out two files. It spits out a JavaScript file and spits a minim, minimized JavaScript file and I can make it spit out a cleaned-up CSS file that pulls out any classes I'm not using, right. and I'm perfectly happy. And it's and so clean, and I like it.
2: We the, the biggest issue we currently have is we don't have a standardizing system from one page to the next, so we have a lot of reused class names mm-hmm. that have different properties depending on the page, yep. and I have to get our front-end guys to to move away from that. We, we shouldn't have a 250 kilobyte CSS file. Absolutely. Yep. I agree. But we yeah. do, but we do.
3: And, and part of the problem I mean, is they probably don't use Vim and they don't use tailwind. So have <laughs> both those yeah, things and remember throwing a little live wire there and life yeah, will be good.
2: Get Vim bitch.com. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> use Vim bitch.com. The B is capitalized.
3: <laughs> you're capitalized. All right. I think that's going to do it i think that's it for episode <laughs> uh, 199 gentlemen we've been doing this for a long time over four years over four years now i think we started back in 2016 which is when apparently we were the first horsemen of the apocalypse of the apocalypse because then trump got elected the pandemic hit i mean we, we were just the no, beginning no of politics. the end yes i know I'm sorry. Okay, that's
0: it. I mean,
2: Episode to be fair, it's
1: not politics he's an asshole.
2: <laughs> I'm your buddy Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it, it ugly. ugly.
0: Thanks for listening to the PHP Ugly podcast. If you would like to support PHP Ugly, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash phpugly. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in the PHP Ugly Discord channel. Show notes and RSS feed can be found at phpugly.com. To catch the live stream, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com. You can also subscribe to the edited podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. A reading of five stars is always appreciated. And finally, thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at diegodev.com. Until next week, keep it ugly.